Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. If you like what we're doing, you want to support us on this journey, all we ask is hit a little subscribe button, drop us an awesome review, give us a shout out. My name is Brett Gowen. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders of Insta. And today, I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Panella. Episode 21. 95% of podcasts don't go past episode 20. Mom, we're here. I'm a carpenter and content creator based out of Central California. Um, stoked to have you guys back. We have another great episode, and I want to thank everyone that shared the podcast so far. Um, if you're interested and you're into little sticky things, share a photo on your Instagram story of the podcast playing, and we'll send you out some stickers. Today, we're on with John, owner and founder of Select Builders out of Northern California. We're going to talk through many topics from building practices, employees, and more. John, welcome to the show. Oh. Thanks for having me. Nobody clap. the clap every time. <laughs> Matt, you didn't forget. It's going to be a fun one. We got a lot of cool topics to cover. Awesome. Uh, John, before we uh, get going and jumping into the episode, give us a little background on your history. Um, you know, the whole, the whole DJ thing, mountain biker, <laughs> builder, so on and so forth. But uh, first and foremost, tell, tell us a little bit more how you got into this career path uh, and a little bit about your journey for the audience. Well, let's see. I'm born and raised in New York. Which coast is the best coast? Oh, I mean, they're both good for me. I can't complain. All right. All better, right. we better weather in California. <laughs> that is true. Uh, I left New York for Vermont <clears throat> and I chased the snow out west, riding a snowboard, Salt Lake to Tahoe, and I ended up here. I would spend my winters riding and my summers I would spend carpentry. I was fortunate enough to work for custom home builders that built foundation to finish, you know, lakefront homes, mansions, mm -hmm. and uh, just like to absorb knowledge. I love building. I always built as a kid. My grandfather was a contractor um, and uh, just kind of all evolved from there. And when I stopped riding, I needed a career. So this was the natural choice for me. Did, did you go to school for anything or did you? Yeah, I went to school for business administration. Okay. And you're so, using that quite a bit nowadays, huh? Way more than I thought I ever would. That's awesome. I kind of want to get into a few different things. For the people, obviously, we know who you are. We know what you're about. For the people that don't, though, um, as a general contractor, one, how long have you been doing it? And how often are you on site? I know we kind of dipped into this a bit before the podcast started. That's fine. I've, uh, I've been a licensed general for, it'll be 18 years in May. I worked for crews before that. And I would do a lot of side work. And that's where I learned that I could do this on my own. I'm on site basically every day, all day. Usually the last one to leave. I can't say I'm the most tiredest because I have some really eager guys, but I, I work just as hard as I possibly can. And I, one thing that I always say is as long as you can keep up with me, you can have a job. That's good to know. That's a good threshold. I like that. Um, do, you, do you have people in an office that are working or do you handle your paperwork side of things as well? I do all, I, I do all my paperwork, all my ordering, all my takeoffs. I do that all. Um, I have, my wife does my QuickBooks for me. I do all my billing through Excel. I send her the stuff. She takes care of all that for me. And, and that's about it. I, I really know the benefits of having an office person. I would love to have one, but 
I find it for me better just to be able to control it and uh, it works out. I mean, it's a lot of extra work, but I do, I do so much of my work on my phone. I'm very email oriented. Mm-hmm. Only suppliers I deal with will accept email. So I can just do, I could send out my lumber order at midnight. You know, it doesn't matter. Like it, it's all what's most convenient for me while I'm working. That's where I'm at. That's awesome. A lot of people choose to, you know, step back a bit, sub things out. Um, what is it that you are subbing out? Do you, do you handle quite a bit in house? I handle quite a bit in house. We sub out uh, roofing, painting, insulation, sheetrock, plumbing, and electrical, uh, large cabinet jobs. And of course, like granite countertops and everything else we do from site work. I could just, let's just every other trade involved in scraping the land to building the house. We do the rest. Wow. John, so, I'm curious to ask, why did you choose to be like bags on or like during that transition, if you're doing a lot of the self-performing versus, you know, there's obviously that, that, tr- that craftsman cycle, a lot of people talk about they're in the business, they're building stuff, and then they want to transition to running the business. Why, why have you chosen to, to stay bags on while you're still building the company? Well, I mean, <laughs> I originally became a contractor to make money. I mean, bottom line, I mean, I, got, I love what I do, but I think that's why most people do it. I do it for the money. So my idea was if I can bid projects and pay myself as one of the workers, I'm making the contractors money and I'm making the workers money. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm double dipping, you know? And like for many years I saw on Instagram where it was like, you know, like you got to learn to pay yourself. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And I finally realized like people are not paying themselves to work. So I'm like, okay, that's the mistake. So like, I'm bidding a job based on man hours Mm -hmm. and then I slip into those man hours and then I, you know, I make my contractor fee and then my, my man hour fee. Why I'm still doing it. I mean, I, you know, everyone says it's hard to find help. It's hard to find like quality help. I live in a very rural area. So the, the labor pool is small. There's people that are very experienced and uh, they demand more money that I just won't pay. Like I'm not oh, going like, to over, I'm, I liked the finger quotes that <laughs> I'm not going to, well, like, cause that's like the problem with today. Like everybody's really good, but you know yeah. what? Everybody's really desperate is what it is. And like, no yeah. offense, no offense to anyone, but like, you know, people are really desperate to find help. Not, mm-hmm. not workers. Clients are really desperate to bring in work, you know, to have someone do something. So they'll pay, you know, an unlicensed, uninsured, unexperienced contractor, almost as much as I charge. And, you know, like I, I understand I can't get there to do it and I feel bad for them because there's no liability or anything. So yeah. I haven't been able to find that like person I could walk away from. And I have like, I have great workers that are just like very dedicated, very loyal and work really, really hard. But being able to just drop off a set of plans and walk away is like, that would take for me to do it. It would take like a very special person to be able to do that because mm-hmm. even even with the best people, you know, mistakes still happen. And even with me, I make mistakes all the time, but you know, nobody can say anything when I make a mistake, that mistake, that's the unwritten rule. We just all just put our heads down and fix it. But you know, I, I've, I've learned from my mistakes and I try to teach that to my guys, you know, like let, let me make the mistakes, let me learn from them. And here, here's how it goes. You know, um, uh, it, it sounds like with how much you guys do in house um, self-performing that the people that you have working have, an awesome opportunity to do more than one thing. Right. That, that's, a, that's a pretty common thing about yeah. now is like a lot of people are trying to hone in on these specialties and I get it, but we've, we've talked about it dozens of times on here is being able to do many different things is going to keep you like recession proof. Oh yeah. That, that's what I've always enjoyed about that. 
how, how many homes are you building a year? Uh, I mean, we build some pretty big ones, I mean, for this area and with the yeah. limited crew. So it's usually about one home, like one, if it's a full-size home, it's about a year, you know, maybe a little bit more in this past year, it's been two smaller projects. So I'll get two done. Uh, a lot of them are like retrofitting houses into a lot bigger ones. So you'll spend okay. a lot of time working backwards before you move forward. So that's about it. You know, uh, I, and like I, we talked about before, it's one project at a time for me. Yeah. And the, the reason for that, you were saying it ultimately, if it's two projects that take 50 days a piece, it's still a hundred days. However you hash it. Right. I'm not getting done any quicker. If I do two at the same time, I'm just upsetting both people because I'm not there. If anything, it just spreads you thin. It just spreads you thin. And it's like, there's so much planning that goes into being successful at what we do to where you show up to work, you know exactly what you're doing. You have exactly what you need and you have different avenues. You could go if, if what you showed up to do doesn't work out, then you have plan B and plan C already set in motion, you know? And if you're like splitting that over two jobs, you're just running ragged and you're not getting it done. I mean, what I see and the people I see running around doing it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Focusing on one project allows you to probably dial it in and make it the best you can. Mm -hmm. Right. And finish it. Yeah. I was going to just say <laughs> and finish it. So I want to dive in a little bit. You, you had mentioned when we were kind of chit and chatting before the, uh, the podcast, you know, hiring and, uh, utilizing younger crew members, um, who are working with you. Tell us a little bit about your approach. Uh, I think you had mentioned, mentioned apprentices. Um, tell us your approach on like you being okay, hiring younger crew members. I mean, it, I'm, it, I, it's my father who one day I was, I was trying to hire someone. I had two applicants. One was like 20 and had no experience. And one was like 35 and had a lot of experience. I'm like, dad, you know, my dad owned an auto repair shop. I'm like, who do I hire? He's like, hire the younger guy. You can teach the younger guy. You can't teach the older guy. Mm. I'm like, you know what? I didn't really, let me think about that. And I'm like, okay. And so the younger or just not necessarily younger, just someone greener is more that's eager to learn is going to absorb so much stuff. But someone that's been doing it for so long, trying to like correct them or teach them something becomes a lot harder. Like I'll, I'll like social media is a good example. You could take like a master at what they're doing and people can be like commenting all day. You're totally wrong. You're totally wrong. You're totally oh, wrong. Oh God. Yeah. And the then, trolls. but you can find someone that's like a really good builder Mm -hmm. and they're screwing a light bulb in backwards. And you're like, yo, bud, you DM them like, Hey, like, it's just go, you're going the wrong way. And they will get so mad. Like I've been doing this for so long. You don't know, you know? And like, that's the prime example right there. Yeah. But like the younger people or fresher people I've spoken to, I'm like, Hey, bud, you know, if you just do this and they're like, Oh, really? Thanks. You know? And like, Mm -hmm. I, I have personally reached out to you like probably a dozen times over the last couple of years, just to ask you for advice. And first off, I appreciate the heck out of that. Um, that's awesome. But you're, you are spot on. A lot of the older people don't want to change anything. The younger are more susceptible to change and they understand that there's room for growth. Exactly. When I was like, I, like I was, I was 29 when I got my license. So I was, I was the young guy and like, I would have like subs coming at me that are you know, twice my age. And like, <laughs> yeah. this is, this is the way that you do it. This is the way I do it. And I'd be like, whoa. That's the old way to do it. But, you know, stuff moves forward. This is the new and better way. Just We just got to listen to me. We got to do it my way. And John, this is the way we've always done it, man. <laughs> it, doesn't, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I would battle these people. 
and they would just become a sub forever because like you know like you might you might like even my subs workers now that come from me they're like there's like different rules when you come to my job site because i'm extra picky on these weird things that other people are not and they just they get excited about it because they get to put in that like you know extra effort in these things and it's just i don't know it's just the way i've modeled it but being young or old you know like it never mattered to me you know it was just like people can be good no matter what it doesn't matter I, I don't know. I just like your approach because I, I mean, I've talked to a lot of employers and a lot of them are so hesitant. They want someone who has 10 years of experience. Uh, they can work on the crew and everything and they're not giving really people the time of day. Uh, yeah, I mean, entry to roles. get in on that though, the same people that are telling us that are also not self-performing and on site to verify that the work is clean. That That's a big difference. Cause like you, you, you can have a bunch of crew members and it doesn't mean they're getting anything done right. And if yeah. you're working backwards all the time to correct it, or if you're shoveling sawdust over it so no one sees it, then it's really not, it's not, you know, it's, just, I guess it depends what you're building and whatnot, but. Good point. The one thing I tell over and over again to people is the best skill you can have is your ability to ask questions. And I feel like being able to ask questions is a skill, like being able to reach out to someone and be like, how do I do that? I still do this at least 10 times a week. It feels like definitely once or twice a week, I will reach out to someone that does something better than I do. And like, how do you do that? Or I will take on a job or a task or a finish or something I haven't done before. And I will find the person that's good at it. And I'll be like, how are you doing that? And, you know, most people will tell you, people love to share knowledge and like, that it's, I feel like it's a, like an acquired skill to like be able to be open like that to like, uh, to learn from others for your whole life. You, you kind of have to, to humble yourself and understand that there are people out mm -hmm. there that know more. Oh, always. And that's something like that. There's a lot of really cocky people in the trades. And that's something that a lot of them, I've seen it so many times. They don't want to ask a question because they feel like that's putting them down lower. Yeah. I don't have time for trial and error. I just want to ask the person that tells me how to do it. That's like, yeah, who, who the way to learn. You know, like, I don't need to learn. Just let, tell me how you do it. You know, because my philosophy and even with like the younger and newer people is as long as you know how to use the tools, because we do yeah. every, everything. If you know how to use your tools, you can do anything. It's Amen. just knowing how to use the tools because it's just a different variation of it, no matter what it is. So for anyone green, listening to the podcast, ask a question. That's your biggest tool. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Uh, That's the moneymaker. Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, if, as a, as a boss, like I, I, you know, I tell my guys, like I would much rather you asked me, called me, text me, anything you need to do. No, I would much rather you just ask me than staring around and stare at it all day and then do it wrong. You know, just ask me, I'll never, I'll, I'll never be upset answering a question. And with me, with the way the projects I've done and with the labor I've had in the past, you know, it wasn't necessarily what we're going to do on this build tomorrow. It's how am I going to perform this with the help that I have? So I'd have to come up with systems to make things work with people that maybe weren't as skilled as I needed them to be. And we, you know what, you could look through my resume. We've done some pretty amazing projects over the years that are like, I mean, so I'm happy with them. Can we, can we dive into stuff. there about the systems for, uh, younger people within the business? Like what, what have you implemented that's been very helpful? I mean, besides for like the systems I have for like framing, siding, decking, like the way we do it. And like, uh, those, those are just like specific for each different task. And I would bore the hell out of you with that at it. But I mean, I really just require people just to show up and work hard and like, and, and ask questions, always keep moving, be eager to learn, you know, 
do some projects on your house on the weekend, you know, take that knowledge and like learn it out there. I've definitely hired people that have come from other companies that aren't used to working so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, They get burned out really quickly. I mean, it only takes me like a couple hours to know if you're going to make it or not. You know, I've been fortunate to hire tons of people over the years because I have a small labor pool, but I'm not, I'm never going to keep someone because I can't replace them. Like everybody is replaceable on my crew because I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, I'm not going to have that guy. That's like a slug to the crew holding everybody back. I will get rid of them. Even if we need them, it doesn't matter. I'll go rent a machine if I have to, you know, you're like being on time is 10 minutes early, you know, having your tools ready when you get there, like these simple, these simple tasks that seem to like slip away with like people that have been doing it for a long time. Like every once in a while, I'll hire someone and bring them in to help for a while. And they're the ones that show up five minutes late. They're the ones that like, when the day ends, they just go straight to their truck with their stuff and they'll leave the other guys like doing all the work, picking up stuff. And I'll have to mm-hmm. be like, Hey, come on. Everybody that's, here works the same. We that's all my favorite together. one. They, they take their, their nail gun and their bag straight to the truck. They fire it up and we're still all picking up. Yeah. There's no way it's a team effort here. Mm-hmm. Everything's a team effort. You know, it's the same with like, I don't, I don't have this problem often, but like people that like call in sick a lot, like, you know, the only thing you do when you don't show up at work is make it harder for everyone else that's there. Like, that's the only thing you're doing. You're not like, you know, you might slow my deadline down, but like, that doesn't matter to me as much as you're making it harder on that guy. That's got to lift that beam, you know, on the other end where we could have had three people instead. It's just one. That makes sense. I've, I've, I've dealt with that a time or two. Um, this is kind of an off the wall question and I'm not even sure you're really going to be able to answer it. Um, (laughs) What is the struggle that you're currently dealing with in business and like what, or a struggle that you've had recently and what did you do to fix it? Anything. It's it's store companies. They're going to be the death of me. (laughs) How far out are they right now? It's not that it's not the far out part. It's the shit they keep showing up with and like, everything, you know, everything's custom that I do. So it's all custom order. I don't, I don't buy builder's choice. So everything shows up damaged, but this has been going on for like 10 years, you know? (laughs) And it's like, how many jams do I got to get sent to me to repair the jams? Like, and, and lately, you know, now they have the COVID excuse, like, Oh, I don't know, COVID. And it it drives me nuts. The most common excuse I've seen in the last two years, pretty much nonstop. Drop anything, anything on COVID at this point. And anything, but but it shows up damaged. <laughs> it shows up damaged with like primer on it. Like you guys tried to fix it. Well, so, COVID, COVID did that. Yeah. So don't ship it. So I'm trying to tell these people, don't send it. Pick up the phone and be like, we broke it. We're gonna make a new one. It's gonna take three weeks. Not ship it for a week, ship it back for a week, then it's six weeks. Yeah, you know, like, other things don't broken. Ship, yeah, don't ship it. But the problem, what I've learned lately is most contractors just take that stuff and they're like, I got to, I got to get that door in. There's nothing I can do. I'm like, well, don't take it. You're, you're giving, giving these people a pass. And like your client didn't buy a scratch and dent door. Like no. they didn't want 10% off that door. Like in the beginning, you didn't say, do you want a $5,000 front door? Or do you want a $4,500 front door with some nicks in it that might patch up? And that's like, I'm spending $5,000 on the door. I want the damn door to be good. So yeah. just don't send it. And the door companies have been like the death of me. It's been an ongoing battle for years. And now it's like uh, COVID, it can't get good help. Well, yeah. sorry, then make less doors. You know, like no one says you need to fill all these orders. Tell people it's not six weeks out, it's 10 weeks out so I can make it right. Because in reality, if it's six weeks out, I got to send it back. You got to send it back. That's 12 weeks. So I would have rather waited 10 weeks to have it done right. Yeah. Now, I, I can see that. I'm, I'm sure that's a struggle nationwide right about now. <clears throat> 
supply chain, man. Yeah, it's never ending. And everybody's building so much stuff. So it's, it's, we can't even keep up. Yeah. Got a lot of people on the planet to build for. My, my latest thing was uh, handrails for a deck. I got like, you know, those little prefab kits you could buy with like the little glass panels and stuff like that. Uh-huh. I ordered it through uh, Home Depot and it was just a cheap little kit. They didn't have much money to blow. And it, it's a cool little kit. It works, but they didn't have any of the top runners, the rails. And we ordered them through Home Depot. That was eight weeks ago. And they told us they'd be in two weeks from then. And we checked in, nothing. And it's just been... The first time was, oh, they got COVID. Home Depot has how many employees just ship the shit? So it's going on left and right. Oh, yeah. It's not getting any better anytime soon. No, no. From what I'm hearing, this is only going to keep getting worse. Yeah. John, I want to talk about social media and branding. Um, The question is going to be primarily around has social media helped your business? Um, And I definitely know from when Matt and I were talking, I mean, like, sounds like, you're probably one of his favorite follows. Um, definitely. But, you know, <laughs> Thanks. you show amazing work. You show what it takes to get done. One thing that I really like, since I'm more on the workforce side, is you showcase your workforce and them doing the work as well. But are you noticing uh, getting business uh, from it as well, like sharing your your um, photos and work, everything that you do through social media um, clients? Like, what what has that been like for you on sharing that? Uh no, I mean, I don't even have my business name as my social media page, you know, like I, I don't, I haven't really tied it to it. I've been fortunate, you know, word of mouth. Um, I have clients that follow me. And so they really like to like, see what goes on every day. You know, it's like kind of nice. They can be at work and, you know, watch some stories and see what's happening, but I, it would be a good tool, but I feel like, I mean, it's a weird thing. It seems like as a carpenter, most of your followers are other carpenters, yeah. you know, or like, so you're, you're not really like selling jobs to them mm-hmm. per yeah. se, you know, for some people it probably works, you know, if like you're, if you're in a busier area, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't really, I haven't noticed a difference. No one's called me and said, you know, I, I or direct messaged me and said, I've seen your social media. I would like you, you know, to do something. Um, it's you know, on my I, website tied into my tied mm-hmm. into my website though. By the way, your uh, website looks pretty fresh. Hey, thanks. So to oh, all those contractors out there that don't use websites <laughs> or they just look like they're from the early 2000s, take a note. Well, so that like- took a lot of work and that <laughs> that took a lot of work. And my goal was to not have a, like every contractor site you go to is just like two pages of reading and like four pictures in the corner. And I'm like, no, yeah. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want you to read a lot. I want you to look at some pictures and call me because I'll sell that, my job. That's all the what you're did, selling. Did, did you build your website too? No, I did it with uh, Ryan from Digital Tradesman he, at Digital Tradesman. He's on Instagram, and he is a he is a like basically like a contract construction oriented web designer. And he knows the, you know you worked construction. He knows the ins and outs, so he's really good at it. He does a lot of people's websites. And uh, yeah, I wanted one more, to, one more I, time on that name. Uh, Digital Tradesman. Okie doke. I need a website built. That is awesome. He's the man, and. Uh, I, I really wanted it to be unique like that. And we, we looked at a lot of different sites to find like the tiles that move and come up with ideas. And like, uh, and since we do so many different things, it's hard to showcase it. Like I didn't want one page that listed down the side, like, you mm-hmm. know, foundation framing. I wanted it to be like more interactive and like. No, so I like that. People I mean- have stuff from like, it looks <laughs> like a, a early 2000s web page, like yeah, web one. 
it's hilarious. I mean, on the receiving end, whether you're a client or someone looking to join uh, a company, that's not a great first impression. You were, you were to find them online. It looks from like the 2000s. Exactly. A bunch exactly. of random colorful it, 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 it's a, it's a website website screaming this is the way we've always done it so we're never going to change it <laughs> yeah let's see uh we had one question from a listener sent in um this one kind of dives into the building side of things and it's something that a lot of people probably don't know about so i think it's a cool question um they asked if you're affected at all by wooey um wild and urban 100 percent I had a feeling that was going to be the answer. Um, that's commonly seen around areas with high fire risk. Being in NorCal, um, what are some building practices that you have to incorporate into your projects for homes like that? Uh, well, all, all fiber cement siding, you know, flame resistant, obviously hardy we use. I think Certainty made some back in the day and it was terrible. Uh, like all our, you know, soffits have to be wrapped. You know, that's why I do all the hardy soffits. Um, we can have wood like I like on this build. Now I have a covered porch in wood, like the lid is clad in wood. Yeah, I have to have five eight sheetrock behind it. Oh wow! I sheetrock the exterior, and then that um, all all windows have to be single pane tempered. Okay. So you know, so they don't explode on you, and then you have like your setbacks. It depends. It depends. Like if you're where your house is located, you might need to have water tanks, fire suppression stuff. I mean, obviously the fire suppression, that suppression is all over California inside the house. Um, frame resistant roofs, uh, your vents on your roof, you know, need to be screened at a certain size to not let embers in. Cause people don't realize that most wildfires are spread through your soffits because those embers fly for miles and that's where air gets sucked into your house. So they pull an ember into your venting up under your soffits, you know? Okay. And then it starts the attics on fire and that's how those houses jump. What, what are those, what are those vents called? I just, you Vulcan vents. Yeah. I just used those not too long ago on an area that was pretty prone to fires. And what, what is it? It's like a vent that closes up with heat. Yep. Yep. And it was like a 16th screen now too. So you can't, you know, all the holes have been, even on the soffits have been shrunk down to like 16th from an eighth inch. Does that up the value, like not the value, the, the cost of building? Cause I know those bins don't come cheap. Of course, everything does. It's expensive in California as it is, but yeah, I mean, just to wrap those soffits, it's a lot of work. Um, I mean, you know I've, me, I take, I take a lot of pride. I was just about soffits. to say, I've seen the detail in your vented soffits and it's absolutely <laughs> insane. Uh, for anyone listening that hasn't seen, go check out his Instagram uh, links in the, the description here. It, it right. makes it, it makes it definitely a little bit more a challenge to build because there's certain things you have to do. I mean, those dual, the single pane tempered costs a lot. I'm sure everything adds up. So when, when you say that you're putting on, what would you say? Five inch drywall? Are you talking about dense glass? Five eighths drywall, just a five X-rated drywall. Okay. So it's under you. You put that on, and then you can put wood on. That's Matt's favorite dense glass. I I hate that stuff. With Everybody's passion. favorite. I worked with it when I was younger, <laughs> and I, I saw guys cutting it with like a skill saw, just oh like God, short sleeves, <laughs> no mask on, no glasses, and they're just. Mm. I'm like, oh, you're gonna stink and scratch and itch so hard tonight. <laughs> John, before we go into some of the questions that we've got uh, sent in from our listeners, uh, I do want to talk a little bit more uh, around employees. Obviously, you're in a position where you've hired many people to work for you. Um, it seems like you have a great crew um, and you guys work on some absolutely beautiful homes. 
But what, what do you do to keep a good workflow going for creating like positive job site morale? Like, how do you maintain that? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a tough one because I, I always say it's, it's gotta be hard to work around a working contractor because you, you lose that ability to goof off all the time. I mean, yep. I worked for, I worked for contractors back in the day. Like there's so much time lost goofing off and like, I'm pretty quiet at work, you know, my head down and I just keep going. I feel like, I feel like we build really cool stuff. I feel like the people that I end up keeping are the ones that like really appreciate like what they created in a day and you know, how we move forward, how the system was laid out to where like the ease of everything happening is, you know, it's already prepared for you. It's just like Lincoln logging the place together mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just taking pride in what you do. I try to preach that. That's how I try to keep people like, you know, look at what we just created. Look what we did today. This is what we're going to do today. Like this, this should take two days. We're going to do it today. You know, and like kind of like hype people up on that kind yeah. of method. Like I don't like, I mean, I wish I could buy people lunch every day, but like I, I, I've had my bags on till lunch hits and I put them back on and go back to work. Like I don't, I don't leave to go do anything. I don't leave to go to the store. You know, it's, it's kind of hard. I'm, I'm lucky to have workers that are just dedicated to what we're doing and you know, for the goal of it. It sounds yeah, like what, recognition and almost like encouragement around the projects is ultimately kind of what fuels your career. Oh, I, I'm, I'm the one that sends out like these like encouraging text messages before the morning, you know, before That's we start awesome, sometimes, man. you know, I get fired people fired up. I, you know, I'll thank people at night. I'm very, <clears throat> I, I like to get back to them, you know, like I'll, if I go to a store that has tools, I'll buy people stuff, you know, and like, mm-hmm. I really appreciate like what everybody does for me. And I try to give back as much as I can. Like, I don't, I, I give Christmas bonuses and uh, most contractors don't seem to do that no more. And like, they make enough money and I'm like, well, you know what? They're making you your money. So whether, whether they lost you money last month or made you money, they're showing up and they're working hard, you know, you got to give back. And without them, you're nothing. Without them, you're nothing. You know, like, like, like everybody is replaceable. I say that like, not to where like, I can do this myself. It just means that I won't be beholden to someone that doesn't need to be there. Mm. Yeah. Well said. No, I, I think it makes the, the biggest difference with whatever organization you're running, the small things around like encouragement. It's, it's, the, it's the stuff you do daily, not the extravagant lunches or big parties to convince everybody that they're recognized by the company. It's the little stuff. It's the text messages. It's the happy birthdays. Um, no, we, all have of it. A, we have a, a group chat, a, a text message, a group chat, and it's the best thing ever. After like a long ass day, <laughs> we're all in there for like a good 15 minutes late at night, bullshitting and sending funny pictures and stuff. And it keeps things good. Um, everybody's on the same page. The, the, the birthday, the, the recognition, like you just said, is huge too. I've brought cakes to work and like people appreciate the shit out of that. Cause yeah. like they might have people in their personal life that don't even give a shit that it's their birthday, but yeah. you take, you take the time to acknowledge that. And it's, I don't know. It's something else. I mean, the people you work with are your family. You spend, you spend more time with them than you are with your own family, sadly. Absolutely. And I'll tell you one thing though, I've been a contractor for 18 years. And even before that, I've never worked a Saturday in my life. We don't work past Friday. We work Monday through Friday. We work eight to four. That's eight hours with a half hour paid lunch. We will work till like 4.30 or five if we're in the middle of something. But I will ask people like, you guys want to finish this? but we'll never work on a Saturday. You always see me golfing, riding my bike, hanging with my family. 
on Saturdays and Sundays, I will not work on the weekend unless it's a something for myself. I Everything that, can wait till Monday. I think that really falls in line with you taking one project at a time and taking that project very serious because the project's not going to move over the weekend. No. But like personally, we get into these positions because we're taking on too much freaking work yeah. at once. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, I got this person that wants shit done today. I got this person that wants it done tomorrow. So Saturdays end up hitting us hard. And right. I hate it. None of us like it. But and if it's you, something, is Saturday just usually catch up work, Matt? No, it's like, well, yeah, essentially. It'll be yeah. like, uh, we didn't get to this during the week and they're going to be pissed if it's not done. And that's one thing I'm trying to change. It's one thing you and I have talked about prior is just kind of honing in and focusing on one project. And that's what we're, we're working on now into 2022. I'm hoping I can follow in your footsteps and make it happen. You got to like heed that advice. If you have three, two week projects, okay, that's six weeks. It doesn't do anything for anyone to be doing them all at once because each of those three people are going to be upset. You're not there every day. Absolutely. But if you did, if you knock the first guy, lady, family out in two weeks, then two weeks then two weeks, everybody's there, you know, like there's that, like the, the, the ladder contractor, the one that just comes like claims the job, throws the ladder down, shows back up six months later, yep. you know? And it's like, oh, I can man. get it in. And like, and you have to be honest with people. Like, I'm sorry, I cannot take the job. I can't finish it. I can do it when I'm done with this job. Like you're, you're someone needs to prove to me that they're making more money as a self-performing contractor doing more than one job at a time, because you're not, I mean, I'm not, I, my time is stretched no matter what, like it's, it's only so many days. So I'm not making any more money. I'm just satisfying each client along the way better. Yeah. By Instead doing of one taking at a time. one job more serious and freaking making sure it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, why not? Even if you're not self-performing and you want to be involved, being there and being present, make sure that like that, like board you're missing that needs to be ordered three weeks in advance actually was there because you're there, you're present. And you can't blame your guys for that. They're not paying attention to that. Yeah. You know, speaking of the throwing a ladder down and walking away until <laughs> six months later, um, this year we're taking on a lot of turnkey homes. I just got a quote from an electrician and his, I asked him for his payment schedule. He wanted 75% before he stepped foot on the job and then 25% spread out for progress payments over the project. <laughs> I laughed my ass off for, for multiple days. It's been like four days now since I received that. I'm like, wow, you, you really want it all, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, that would be nice. 75% up front. I would take it. Uh, that's the person that needs money too, though. That's the sad part. Yeah. Like if you, if you, if you can't, I mean, this is a terrible thing to say, but if you can't afford to pay for most of your project, you know, you're probably not doing jobs you should be doing. You, yeah. know, you shouldn't be, you should never need to tell your client you need more money, you know, unless you're on some like huge project where like the budget's like you're so far past your payment. But like, if you structure your progress payments properly, you should always be fine. You should be able to cover everything in between. Yep. Now I've heard of very few cases. One was down South, not too long ago, uh, LA area, but the place was massive. We're talking millions and millions. Yes. Yeah, that's a different level. Though. And that was, that was understandable. Like the lumber ticket on it. I forget what it was, but it was, it was a lot of freaking money. So that part of it makes sense. But yeah, most contractors go day by day, Robin Peter to pay Paul and they're constantly floating payment from this place to cover this one and it's not a good way of doing things no because then you find yourself you know at 11 o'clock at night sanding drywall somewhere yeah that doesn't sound fun 
No, something I would never do. <laughs> <laughs> um, John, we're going to do a, something a little bit different. Uh, we pulled some of our podcast listeners uh, for some questions for this episode. So we got a few for you here. Um, one of the questions that we'll cover right now is what inspires you daily to continue practicing craftsmanship? I was sent in from a, a listener. What inspires me daily? At, at the end of the day, I love to create you know, whether it's a home, a flat piece of earth, I just, I like to create. That's what keeps me going. We got the next one here. I, I like this one. What do you get the most satisfaction in doing during the building process since you are there from dirt to finish? What, what's your favorite part? It's, it's always towards the end because you're always creating something for your client. And no, no matter what we do, we're always making someone's life better. Like mm -hmm. we're not, we're not making someone's life worse. We're making it better. So when like those smiles start to come in, cause like the framing process is like, uh, it goes fast. And then there's that big lull. But when they finally see like your image coming together, like that, that that's priceless for me. I love that answer. Um, and then we got another question in from a listener. This is a serious um, one. Yeah, this is serious. John, are you, are you ready for this one, man? I guess. I you know guess. Um, so Kyle from Angle Construction, I believe I'm <laughs> pronouncing that correctly, wants to know what your favorite taco is. <laughs> Carne asada, baby. Let's go. go. I actually <laughs> had one of those. Uh, let's see. Today's Wednesday. I had yeah, two I had before Monday. this. <laughs> let's go. Uh, I love I, uh, Kyle. Side note, I tried to, so one of my favorite things is obviously a California burrito, carne asada oh, yeah. California burrito has the French fries in the middle. Whoever hasn't had that, like you're not living yet, <laughs> but, uh, had one of those Monday, but I, what I've been trying to do is actually like perfect a proper carne asada burrito homemade and we're getting there. It's taking Greg, some you, practice. You sent me like 10 different burrito pictures in the last month. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> What, what do you send me? You send me like uh, chicken nuggets. That's what you sent me. Oh, you know what? I got chicken nuggets yesterday. I had to go. Pick, no, you say them. You say them differently because oh, you're on chicken, the podcast. Some chicken nuggies. There we go. There we go. We got to keep it authentic, Matt. Dude, that's my go-to right chicken there. Nuggies. All right, John. So before we wrap up all of our episodes, we end with our fast five, five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. Matt, do you want to take them or do you want me to take them? Oh, I do. I, I've never. All right, I'll cover the that. last two. You can take the first three. All right. Um, let, let's hit it. Number one, favorite brand of downhill bike. YT. YT? Mm -hmm. I thought it would be a name that I like. No. <laughs> that like how, how much does a bike run? Uh, probably around 5K. Yeah, Matt, Matt was expecting like Haro or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> number right. two if you could visit anywhere in the world where would it be i really want to go to whistler oh okay. solid choice i have not yet been there but it's pretty epic yeah, it's pretty epic number three. With Tim. there you go number three you mentioned you were a dj what's your favorite music artist probably vibes cartel okay <laughs> I'm going to have to look that one up. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a, I'm a dance hall DJ, so I'm a reggae person. Okay. Yeah. Number four, your one message to the next generation would be? Work harder. I love it. Number five, what does bread to build mean to you? Born to create. 
That one, that one always stumps people from time to time. That was quick. That was quick. That was. <laughs> John, thanks so much for joining us today on the Bread to Build podcast. Uh, before we let you off the hook and do our little outro, where can people find and connect with you? You can find me basically on Instagram at Selecta Prime. Now you know the name behind it, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course, Dude, we, man. We are stoked. It, it's been a long time coming. We've talked about this many times, and I'm glad we were finally able to make it happen. On 2-2-2022. Damn, is that it? Ooh, that's, yeah. damn that's like date. a lucky episode. You betcha. Number 21. We're going to make it. Let's go. <laughs> made it. If only it was it. number 22. Yeah. Oh, man. We're going to have to schedule this one out. No, we'll get it out. <laughs> Guys. Thanks for listening to the Bread to Build podcast, episode number 21. If you like this episode, you like what we're doing, drop an awesome review. Give us a little shout out on social media. If you're driving in the truck, listen to the episode, snap a little pic and send it in. Um, if you'd like to join us on the podcast uh, or have topics in mind, you can feel free to shoot me a message on Hammer, Instagram. Both Matt and I will respond. Um, as always, you can find and connect with me on all platforms at Brett Gowen, Hammer, Builders of Insta. Matt, take it away. Close it out. You can find me on Instagram and on Hammer at Matt Bangswood and then on YouTube as well. Thank you guys for listening to episode 21. Um, like I said, though, share a photo on Instagram stories of you vibing out to some Bread to Build podcast and we'll send you a cool little sticker. See you guys next time on the Bread to Build podcast.